0: welcome to the podcast a monthly podcast brought to you by profitable ideas exchange
1: your partner in strategic relationships and business development we are your hosts aubrey darden
0: and tj dennis
1: Hey, tj happy new year i think that's the last time i'm gonna say that today officially being yeah. 23rd of january it's feeling maybe like i'm pushing it but I... we haven't really seen each other or our audience since the new year so how's it going
0: so great. Glad to be back. Um, it feels like one of these years now where uh, everyone's refreshed and ready to go. The first couple of weeks we joke at pie is the syllabus week. And I think everybody felt that on a really spiritual level this year. But now it's like we're in the we're in the middle of January. It's time to go and everybody's feet are on the gas pedals. And, and uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's fun. It's good.
1: Yeah, I agree. I know coming back With the way that the holidays lined up this year with Christmas on a Monday, and then Mm -hmm. I feel like the holidays were a little weird and people were working, sort of, but it was quiet, so it was not a lot of people communicating with one another, so it definitely felt like we got a solid break. Well, I'm super excited that today, for our first episode of 2024, we're bringing Jacob Parks, our president of strategy, back onto the show. We had him on back in December of 2022, hard to believe it was that long ago. Um, but we're here to talk about some really fun stuff around business development workshops. Before we dive into that, though, TJ, why don't you, as a refresher for our listeners, tell them a little bit about what Jacob does here at Pi?
0: Absolutely, yeah. As president of strat or president of strategy, uh, Jacob kind of oversees like what the growth, the future, and the new opportunities look like at Pi. Um, he, of course, as you probably heard in the last intro, you know, was A part of the research team and writer for How Clients Buy. Um, He's interviewed hundreds, thousands of different rainmakers at this point in time. He's very heavily involved in the academia space as an adjunct professor at the Jake Jabb School of Entrepreneurship and serving on the board at Spokane Community Colleges. Uh, You know, Jacob's like one of these guys that's got a hand in every pot, and that's why it's a perfect role for him. And how we want to think about business development, its new changes, and what it needs to look like in 2024 and beyond. Um, I say we bring them in. Let's uh, start talking. about it.
1: Okay. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to our first episode of the podcast for 2024. We're so excited to have our president of strategy, Jacob Parks, joining us again to talk a little bit about what's different in this economic environment with business development and also um, a little bit about business development training. So excited to dig in! Um, but welcome, Jacob. How's your new year starting?
2: Yeah, it's great. Thank you for having me. It's it's cold and rainy in the northwest, but otherwise, it's fantastic. So winter. Winter. <laughs> winter. <great.
1: laughs> and at least it's above zero, right? We can take the wins where we got them.
2: (laughs) And I think we're finished saying Happy New Year. We're three weeks in. I don't think we can say it anymore. So um, I have put that to rest. It
0: feels good. This will be the last call that I mentioned. Yeah, actually, thank you for the reminder. Because otherwise, it'll be February. That's right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well, uh, Jacob, as I mentioned, we've done quite a few business development trainings or workshops, as we like to call them, over the past year or so. So can you tell us a little bit about how those conversations usually come about, you know, why are our clients seeking them out? And why is now the time that they're doing it?
2: Well, I think a couple of things. I think so frequently in professional services organizations that the first arc of your career is on becoming an excellent practitioner. So if you're an accountant or if you're a lawyer, the first sort of seven, eight years of your career, you're focused on client work and you're focused on honing your skills to create value for clients. And as you ascend toward partnership, uh, a lot of times the firms are like, ah, gotcha. Actually, the key part of being a partner is selling work and developing kind of a, a business unit underneath you. And, and there isn't a lot of training for that. Um, so I think that's the first thing. And then I think, secondly, that has been coupled with all of us coming off of COVID and, and the kind of natural machinations that used to exist uh, for kind of training by osmosis, stuff that we would call okay. sidewalk training Um you know, just younger junior partners being involved in the BD process, the senior partners, a lot of that went away during COVID as we moved to, to video. And so now, probably more than ever before, there is a need to sort of sharpen business development skills um, in order to grow as we as we hopefully come out of, of a tougher economic
0: environment. Is the this is potentially the dumb question of the day, but is the reason that people focus on the practitioning side as opposed to the sales side or maybe having a blend or having people be one of the other? Cause like one is your bread and butter and that's your revenue. And the other one is like the extras we expect of someone positive or like why why don't professional services firms hire sales folks right off the get go?
2: Well, I think a lot of them tend to have this seller doer structure where the, the people who are doing the work are responsible for selling the work. Um, so I think that's a big part of it, but also they have this kind of up or out, um, sort of HR model, which basically is to say that you know the firm is a pyramid, and, and you know they hire a bunch of associates, and then over time those associates go out you know to work in industry, and a few people stay around and make partner. And so I also think that there just hasn't been a desire to make that kind of an investment um, in business development training when maybe it's going to apply to 25% of, of the workforce or something like that who actually stay with the firm and become partner. So mm-hmm. it's it's a little bit of a delay, but. still think it's somewhat myopic interesting
1: so i know that we've done these workshops for a ton of different audiences right we've done it for everybody from new associates in their first three years working at a firm all the way up to partner teams at law firms you know very senior skilled professionals in their field, how do you feel like those workshops differ depending on the audience?
2: Yeah, so I, I think every single workshop does and should differ based on the audience. And I think this is one of the things that, that I saw as, as kind of a, a bad practice when it comes to business development training. I think many businesses that are focused on training bring in kind of a methodology, like here are the five steps to being good at business development. And, and I think as a general rule, we kind of like that because it feels like an easy button, like, a yeah, sales. I'll push the button and I'll get more sales. And, and, and I think it's decidedly more bespoke than that. Firms have unique challenges. Some have account squatting problems. Some have outreach problems. Um, some have cross-sell problems. It, it's just different in every single firm. And I think understanding where the organization is coming from and, and building something that's bespoke to those needs is incredibly, is incredibly important if not super profitable for us. Hmm.
0: It's that's an interesting point because when I think back on like some of the marketing experience that we've all seen and worked with, or that I've had in my own career, you think like SWOT analysis, you can land a SWOT analysis on virtually all marketing and business activities. Right. But there isn't the sort of the, the acronym for sales that translates to every single organization around the world. It's just not a thing. That's exactly right. It's not a thing. And, and, growth is hard. It's like,
2: it's what we're all focused on, right? Like if we're growing our businesses and maintaining some sort of profitability, it doesn't even have to be rule of 40 profitability. We tend to be pretty excited about that type of endeavor um, and probably not quite enough attention is paid to it um, as a skill set. I think if you could get an organization where it was completely focused on that and developing those skills, I, I do think it would be somewhat of a sustainable competitive advantage.
0: So I guess a follow-up question to that then is being that it is a really bespoke, they, they, their business may be really bespoke in what they do in the niche that they serve. My assumption is that the way that we approach business development training changes every single time as well. Is that correct? Or is that actually, is That's it like a little bit correct. of Yeah. So you don't, you don't, correct. so you don't go in every single time being like, okay, hey, I need to identify these first three things. You're like, we're just going to start and then we're going to find the solution along the way. Absolutely. Yep. You have to ask
2: the questions. And I think even more so you have to understand what their structure is. Structure means so much in business development. Again, are they seller doer? Do they have a dedicated business development team? Do they get most of their work from inbound? Is it a cross selling challenge where actually what they need to do is have the expertise sell to other partners internally in order to get brought along on projects. There's just like a million different ways to slice this stuff Mm -hmm. um, and kind of presenting a one size fits all solution can be really off-putting to people who are dealing with the complexity of this challenge.
1: So even though it depends a little bit, kind of depending on the structure of the business, maybe the industry they're in, the audience of the training, what are some questions that firms can be asking themselves or maybe some challenges they're facing that might indicate we should invest in something like a business development training or workshop?
2: Yeah, so i love one question that that i encourage all of the people i work with these on which is to go around to a few of the people in the organization who are responsible for business development and say can you describe for me in one sentence what you are incentivized to do on business development Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and most times they can't Um, Mm -hmm. and, and so like that's just a fundamental challenge like that the incentive strategy is not working if your people can't describe what they're being incentivized to do that's a bonus, not an incentive system. And so I think that's a good place to start. But also I think having a conversation with the leadership of the firm to find out where they wanna grow and where they're falling short of that growth goal. Um, Is it new logos? Do they need to go out there and get a bunch of new clients? Is is it cross-selling? They just need to figure out the cooperation and collaboration internally in order to service their clients more holistically. do they have a problem with being able to reach out to people or perhaps something deeper, like a structural problem that we might look at? Um, so yes, you know those are kind of a few things that we might look at, um, but it easily breaks down into, do you need to get new clients or do you need to sell more to your existing
0: clients? And we can kind of go from there. Okay, so one thing, pardon me, one thing I wanted to follow up from our last call in December, and we talked about it a lot at pie, is the concept of Lanyap, but it's easy to deliver Lanyap when you're delivering great work, you're like, here's a little extra We're like, this is the the complete picture of the delivery cycle. Does Lanyap exist in the business development side of the world? How does it exist in like the business development audit space we do? I know this sort of amoebas in a two part question, but like, does Lanyap have a place that it fits in the business development world? Or is it do you view that as something that's exclusive to maybe the delivery side of the world?
2: Oh, no. So I think lagnop is an important part of every single business development strategy. And again, if we think about the, the root of the French word, lagnop, it kind of stems from the 13th roll in the baker's dozen. And so these things don't have to be huge gifts. Um, they can be small things. But I think reaching out with a token of appreciation or some kind of value um, makes a ton of sense. So, like, I think a perfect example, and it's 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 not a very creative or interesting one, is just sending over books that you really like, um, that that particular prospect might learn from. Um, someone just sent me a book just the other day. Um, I got chocolates last night, actually, from someone who is trying to sell us uh, a couple of projects. And so, I mean, you know, it made me look cool in front of my wife. Um, I don't get a lot of stuff in the mail, and so yeah, that lawn yacht
0: probably worked quite well. <laughs> and now you're thinking about them because those chocolates are probably sitting within eyesight and you're like, I should be emailing them back. I should be reaching back exactly. out. Exactly, exactly. So I think it's yeah. it's a good opportunity.
1: That's great. So maybe as a final question here, I, as TJ alluded to, we interviewed you about over a year ago now um, when we first started the podcast. And one of the things we talked about was delivering the lawn up and kind of what business development looked like at that time. And a lot has changed between then and now, right? We're in a still kind of a economic uncertainty period. I think people are still wondering what this year is going to look like. Um, and I would just love to hear from your perspective, what is different now? And how do you think business development is going to shift for professional services firms in 2024?
2: Yeah, so I I think that in that period, since we last spoke, technology has made like a gigantic leap forward. Um, Generative AI and a variety of other techniques that are being put into existing CRM systems, intent data from organizations like Hivebrite and Belen. um, I can't see the need for a cold call ever again. Like we could end the cold call on this particular session. I, I think we have the technology and the ability now to understand what people are in the market for and to sort of approach them in a bespoke way that doesn't feel like 400 emails with the HubSpot font coming Uh in, just like peppering me. Um, So I think technology, and I think there is so much that's gonna happen in the next 12 to 24 months as well. But I think, you know, people who are running business development functions should be moving away from the cold call and into understanding what customers want and trying to sort of approach the market client by client, not as sort of a big sea of
0: opportunity. Interesting. Interesting. The hot take of the day is kill the cold call. That's right. Where hots only no colds. That's, That's right. right. Well,
1: I've, I mean, I've even heard about tools that will cold call for you, that take your voice and your pitch and will cold call for you. So you don't actually have to do it, and you can craft responses based on the questions that the person asks, or it can leave a voicemail or something like that. So it's like purely automated, but it's you.
2: Yeah. So I
1: uh, I, maybe too far for me. (laughs) I think we're
2: too early for that kind of stuff in our world. Like I think that kind. I think they call this conversational commerce, Um, and and I think that conversational commerce works really well in B two C worlds. Um, Where where answers oftentimes do follow a script. Can I reschedule this flight? Yes, go here and reschedule the flight. That type of stuff works really well. But in a world of selling things based on trust and credibility, I I think that like I think you might do yourself more harm than good by trying to sort of save your time. Like if I'm the client and you're trying to save time by sending a robot to cold call me, I'm saying I'm not a very important client, am I? Um, I Bye bye. And so. I just don't think it works great, at least yet in our world of, of expert services.
1: Right, well, as you alluded to, it's so much about trust and credibility and it it's so important to not lose sight of that for the sake of efficiency or saving money for your business, like you said. That's
0: right. And at the end of the day, uh, people buy from those that they like, know and trust. And, if, right. and you can erode that pretty quickly. That's right. Well, Jacob, thank you a bunch for your time today. Uh, we're excited for a big growth heavy um, and kind of change heavy 2024. There's uh, no better time like na- than now. So thanks for your time today on on the episode. And uh, if people can reach out to you, they can hit you up on LinkedIn. Is that the best way to reach you? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, thank you very much for your time. And we we'll, I'm sure we'll have you on in the future. Okay, thanks for having me. See y'all. Thanks, Jacob.
1: Thank you for listening to the podcast, brought to you by Profitable Ideas Exchange. If you enjoyed the content in this month's discussion, please visit our blog at profitableideas.com or check out our books, Never Say Sell and How Clients Buy.
0: Profitable Ideas Exchange, connecting powerful minds and making the world smarter and smaller.